going to look at First Peter this morning. Again, thank you for being here and being in your place each and every Sunday and being faithful. We've had a great, great, great summer. Uh, I love summer. I, when, I, when summer's coming, I get ready for it. And, you know, we have all the fellowships, uh, the youth conference, all the things we do. Then you go on vacation, and it's like, all right, summer's over. I'm ready for summer to end and get into the fall. Very excited about that. And so I uh, hope you're ready. We're going to have a great fall around here, and, um, and it's going to be great. I want to share a thought with you this morning uh, from 1 Peter chapter number 4. Um, and I want to pull out a phrase there and then go through the scripture with you. But um, if, if, if someone's going to be involved in a battle or a fight, um, there has to be a lot of preparation. You have to be ready for it, right? You've got to be mentally prepared for it. You've got to be physically prepared for it. And you also have to have a strategy, okay? Uh, you've heard the little phrase before someone said, don't bring a knife to a gunfight, right? We've heard that all before. But you have to be ready. We are in a, a as Christians, we, we, we fight things from a spiritual level. Uh, we have enemies, and I won't go through that. We've went through that before. But we are fighting a spiritual battle, and it's important if we're going to win a spiritual battle that we are armed and that we are ready. I heard a story recently. police officer pulled over an older lady and, um, uh, for something speeding or whatever, and and he looked in her car, and he thought he saw a gun. He goes, ma'am, is that a gun? She goes, oh, yeah, that's a gun. It's loaded. He goes, you have a loaded gun in your car? She goes, it's not the only one. She goes, I got like five or six. And he looked in the car, and he found them, and he saw all these guns. And he looks at her and says, ma'am, you have all these guns. What are you so afraid of? And she looked at the guns and said, absolutely nothing. Okay? She was ready. All right? Um, Spiritually speaking, you need to be carrying your guns, all right? Not physically. But we need to be prepared. We need to, we need to have the, 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 the spiritual uh, weapons that God gives us to be ready to win a battle. There's an armor of God. We, that's in Ephesians chapter 6. But there is an offensive weapon in there. You know, I think it's silly. I'll throw this out there. You know, you, you've seen the videos maybe of, of some of the police officers in Europe they're not allowed to have weapons, right? And here they are trying to beat down a, 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 a criminal with like trash cans. That's, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You're putting someone in a harm's way and you won't even give them the tools they need to win the battle. But that's Europe and I'm sure it's coming to America soon. But we're going to look at this. This chapter would go well with our theme, the time is now. He mentions Jesus and and by proxy, talking about Jesus and how we as like Jesus should, should live the rest of our time understanding our purpose in this life and understanding the mission that God has given us. The book of 1 Peter deals with a lot of specific issues to the Christians of that time. One of them was persecution. The church at that time was persecuted very, very heavily. And it deals with a lot of things and things that we should, we can learn from there. We may not necessarily go through the same type of, of persecution they have, but as they did going through their tough times, we need to make sure that we are living with eternity in view. That we are, looking, uh, we are looking towards eternity as we live, not just looking around us at what's going on around us. We have such a short time, uh, comparatively speaking, on this earth compared to eternity. But Paul understood that as we live our lives, we will face certain uh, battles, temptations, things of that nature. And we have to be ready for those battles. 
we do not have, we cannot fight those battles without having access to weapons which we need to help us to win those battles. I hope and desire that all of us want to be spiritual. God doesn't just want us to come to church. That's part of it. But God wants us to live a life that has a, a, a spiritual, uh, flavor's not strong enough, that should have really spirituality as its goal. Serving the Lord, following the Lord. Uh, church is not just something we do on Sundays. It's not just owning a Bible. It's not just putting a bumper sticker on our car. It is who we are um, 24-7. And it ought to define our lives. And so that's what he wants us to understand. And that's what we need to understand. But we're not going to win any battles, spiritually speaking, if we do not prepare and we're not ready. If you like boxing, you remember it, and there was a time many years ago, Mike Tyson was like the greatest fighter ever. I mean, he'd knock guys out in two rounds. And he fought a guy named Buster Douglas, and this Buster Douglas had lost his mom. He was going through some tough times, and he was a heavy underdog, but he trained for the fight of his life, and he knocked, he knocked Mike Tyson out. But you know what happened in his next fight? He already was a champion. He'd already got a bunch of money. He fought, uh, I think it was Holyfield. He didn't even train. He came into that fight overweight, out of shape, and he didn't last very long. That fight was over long before it ever started because he didn't even prepare for the fight. Most of us, if we lose a spiritual battle, you know why? We're just not prepared for it. There are some areas here where we need to be armed and ready if we are going to be able to win the spiritual battles. He mentions seven areas. Now, I know you do the math. Seven areas. If he does three minutes an area, we're going to be... I'll go fast, okay? We're not going to be here forever. First of all, here's an area we need to be ready. We need to be ready in our mind. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 1. He says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, and by the way, he did, he said, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Now, wait a minute. You think he would say, as Christ has suffered in the flesh, prepare yourselves to suffer in the flesh as well. But he didn't say that. He said, you got to have that right mind. Why could Christ suffer for us? Why could Christ go through all that he went through? Because Christ had the right mind to make sure that when those times came, that he would go through it. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't throw in the towels. We have to have the right mind. And the best way for us to learn to have the right mind is to have Christ as our example. Right? The best way to learn something is to learn it by example. That's one of the good things of YouTube. You need to do anything. You can look on YouTube and you can figure it out because they'll show you. It's not like one of those Ikea things. You're trying to put it together, and it, I don't even think Ikea, they have words. It's pictures, and most of the time it's super confusing. But if we can follow an example, just show me how you did it, show me what you did, and follow that, you can typically get the job done. Jesus set the ultimate example. Jesus was able to go through everything that he went through because he was tough and he had God's purpose in his mind. The flesh was weak. And by the way, everyone's flesh will be weak. 
But if we have a strong mind, we can get through those things. We have to have the mind of Christ, and if we do, we'll have the commitment that he had. Let me ask you this. Are you strong-minded? Are you strong-minded? By the way, do you know that persecution doesn't stop, didn't stop the early church? Did you know the early church grew because of opposition? Because they had strong minds. And I'm not trying to be mean-spirited or harp on our society, but we're raising a bunch of weak-minded individuals. We are. At the first little thing that happens, we come running, we got to fix everything for them, we got to do all this, and the first time something comes, they quit. They quit. You got a little boy, by the way, he falls down and skins his knee, you act like it's the end of the world. It's like you just get up and like, okay, let me see that. Oh, that's okay. The pain will go away. You're not going to die. It's a skin knee. We'll put something on it. Let's move on with our lives. Oh, he can't play outside anymore. What are you trying to raise? Anyhow, that has nothing to do with the message. But we're just so weak. Well, my boss yelled at me. My boss was mean to me. Well, guys, wait till you get married. Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, you know what's funny? It, it, these kids, like, I am so sick of my parents telling me what to do. I'm going to be my own man. So they join the military. Are you with me? Like, they're going to, we're just weak-minded. And we quit. But if you can have the fortitude of mind to say, this is what God wants, and you know it's right in your mind, and you know it's the right thing to do, and you know God's with you, you can get through it when your flesh is weak. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. It expounds on Christ. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So now we're commanded to have his mind. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You say, what does that mean? Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, but when he faced those hard situations that he had to go through so he could die for our sins, he did not defer to his godhood to take care of it. He was willing to set that to the side and allow himself to be mistreated. That's what, he's, that's what it's saying. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You do understand that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. You do understand that he was the creator of the universe. You do understand that he took on the form of his creation and allowed himself to be put to death for you and for me because he was right-minded. What is your mind? Most people are emotional. We don't look at situations, we don't look at things from the, from the standpoint of right or wrong. Does God want me to do it or does not God want me to do it? We're too emotional about it. And by the way, I get it. Emotions are a part of life. But emotions are passengers in life. They're not supposed to drive the bus. I just don't feel, I, there, look, there's a lot of things I don't do, I do that I don't feel like doing. Because it's the right thing to do. And so if we're going to be armed and ready for the battle, we need to make sure that our mind is set, that we are committed. Wrong attitudes kill us. 
Let me give you one more verse and we'll move on. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. That means pressed into the mold, just like everybody else. The pressures of this world, we just conform to what they say. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosized, completely different by the renewing of your mind. You know how you change? It starts in the mind, right? It's like you ever, you ever run? I remember when we were kids, we'd do the little uh, government... Um, they probably don't do it anymore because you might fail. The, gov- the presidents, you know, the little presidents thing they used to give, they had like seven or eight different physical things you had to do, and if you did eight of them, you won. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The presidents, phys- they don't do that anymore because they don't want to offend anybody that can't make it. Like if you can't make it, you can't make it. It doesn't make you a bad person. You're just not, you didn't do it. But, you know, when they, they had the one where you had to run a certain amount of time. And I remember as a kid, you run it, they call it getting your second win. You know what I'm talking? You're running and you're about ready to die. And it's like, I can't run another step. And then your mind says, keep going, keep going. And then you kick into that second win. I don't even know the, the, bio, the biology behind that. I just know it happens. But your mind is what gets you to that point. Keep going, keep going. You can do it. You can get there. Hey, let's not be weak-minded. Let's start with a mind that says, I'm going to do the right thing. Secondly, and I'll hurry, we also have to make sure we deal with the flesh. We deal with the flesh. Look at verse 2. That he, and also us by inference, should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh. In other words, not just living your life based on what you feel is right. Not just living your life and doing things that you want to do, that your flesh desires to do. You understand that once we get saved, the Spirit of God indwells in us, and he tries to get us to do certain things, particularly the things that the Bible says. But we still live in a flesh that wants to push us a different direction. It wants to push us to do the things that are wrong. You're a new Christian and say, well, you Christians have everything figured out and you just get up and say, you know, someone mistreats you, you want to be nice to them? No. No, we are. We try to be. But we get irritated. The flesh just kicks in and says, what's that all about? We, uh, we, we were joking in the car. When we were on vacation, we, we say that every year someone gets a ticket. Now, I'm not going to tell you last year who that person was. But... It was in my family, and it wasn't my wife. And uh, I was going downhill trying to pass a car, and I'm like, I can pass that other car if I just hit the gas a little bit. You know, Jesse, the next thing I know, I was going 85. I, wasn't going, I was going fast enough to where the police officer was ahead of me. He turned his lights on before I ever got to him. Now, he was super nice. So this year, I'm not getting a ticket. My wife, I think you just texted Say, hey, be careful as you're driving to the farm that nobody gets a ticket. Everyone gets a ticket every year. And then I'm driving down the road, and Mr. Police Officer flipped a Yui. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I got one last year. And he pulls me over, and he goes, um, you know, you were going 67. I'm like, well, I mean, my speedometer said 62, and I thought it's a 60 zone. He goes, nope, 55, you're going 67. He goes, give me your insurance. I've shown him insurance. I've shown him the card. Had a smile on my face. And as soon as he left to go to the car, I was not happy. I'm like, you know what they do? They see the California license plates. And I'm like, they're not getting away with it this year. They are not getting, like, they're not, no, I am going to fight this one. Now, I know there's ticket places here, and I know it's a different state, but ain't getting away with this. I'm fed up with this. I was only going 62, and my car's saying, he says it's 55. I thought it was six. It's like, come on, man, what's going on here? 
And then he walks up and he says, here's your stuff back. He goes, okay, you don't have any other infractions. I'm going to let you go. I'm like, well, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. Go blue. Okay. I think my wife was, my wife was already looking for a ticket place, right? She was already looking online for like, how do you fight tickets? I'm like, you know, I appreciate that, sir. I wasn't trying to speed. And then as we were talking about it on my left, my wife's like, hey, you're speeding again. I'm like, all right, let's calm down here. But, but look, we get, the flesh takes over in instances. And not just those, the flesh takes over when it comes to doing wrong. And so we need to decide how we're going to live our lives. Are we going to let the flesh lead us? Are we going to let the spirit lead us? You have to make that decision. Because you know what happens? If we start letting the flesh lead us, we get comfortable in that. See, have you ever walked into a, a room that's dark? You can't see very much. How many you know what I'm talking about? But what happens? As you stay in that room for a while, your eyes adjust. Now, you don't see as if the lights are on, but your eyes adjust enough to where you can see where things are and you can get around. See, that's what happens when we start living our life in the flesh. At first, if we're trying to live for God, it bothers us, and then we start to get used to it. And we start to, we start, uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you start to, you start to uh, violate some of your convictions and some things you know are wrong. And it bothers you, but the more you do it, the more you get used to it. And so we need to be very careful. Don't let the flesh take over. We cannot win any spiritual battles if we're letting the flesh guide us. And our enemy knows that. He tries to fight us. Verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5, the next chapter over, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. See, Satan's trying to take us out, and he can't just take anybody out, but those that start to deviate, he goes, bingo, there's the one right there. So how do we fight that? He says in verse 9, resist steadfast in the faith. And I know this, if I'm living in the flesh, I cannot I cannot stand in the faith. It just won't happen. Thirdly, and this goes along with it, we have to be careful of our lust. He goes, to the lust of men. You know what the flesh leads by? It leads by our wicked and, 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 and unregenerated desires. You see, we may be saved, but we still have desires that want us to do wrong. We've already talked about that. And what happens is some people just give into it. Well, if that's just what I feel like doing, I'm going to do it. Is it right or wrong, though? See, that's the question. The question isn't, isn't this, is this what I want to do? The question is, is this what God says is okay to do? So we can't just, look, do you understand animals live by their desires? They react. We're not animals. We're Christians. And so what we want to do is we want to react correctly. We cannot let our lust control us. It needs to be contained. By the way, that's why, isn't that why we try to discipline our children? What we're trying to teach them is, hey, boys and girls, there are some things that you cannot do even if you want to do it. And you need to teach them, now our society's throwing this out the window, that there are consequences for your action. By the way, look at all the crime. There's no consequences. We have DAs that have the, the, the IQ of a plant, Letting people go for doing things. Well, where's the, where's, the, where's the motivation to stop? But we're teaching our children that. 
Little, little Johnny throws a fit and we let him, you know, oh, you know, throw a device in his hand or give him what he wants. It doesn't work that way. Our house, it was like you throw a fit, you get the complete opposite of what you want. You're not getting it. But we bring this stuff into our Christian life. And now it's just, this is just what I feel like doing and I get it, so do I. But is it the right thing? Is this what God wants us to do? You see, here's the reason that's, that, that's very important and then I'll move on. Because James tells us that's how Satan tempts us. You know how Satan tempts us? You, you, how many of you like to fish? Okay, so there's the Christians in the room. Um, certain lures and certain bait are for certain fish. Now, I'm not a big fisherman, but when I go, I make sure I take Brother Ross because he is. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I just know that I want, you know, so I'm like, give me the bait. Show me what to put on there. Show me where to go. Years ago with pastor, we went fishing for catfish. They'll eat garbage, okay? And that's like, here's what they like. I'm like, that does not smell or look good. I'll just be real honest with you, and I'll leave it right there. That's what they like, right? Certain lures get certain fish because that's what they desire. You know what Satan does? He knows your weakness. Now, certain weaknesses are the same for everybody, but there are certain things that, are more of a temptation to you. So you know what bait he's going to throw at you to screw you up? He's going to throw that bait because that's what you desire. I mentioned it before, and I won't belabor it, but, but when I was younger, I drank with all my friends, all that stuff. I never liked alcohol. I just did it because that's what we did. So when I got saved and right with God, that was easy to give up. It was like, there's no, he's not going to tempt me with that. I never liked it back when I did it. But there are other things that were a struggle. That's where he's going to try to get you. So under, you know where your weakness is. Be careful and be ready for it. Then the next thing, the fourth thing we need to understand is the will. The will. Not according to our flesh, but he says in verse 2, but to the will of God. We say, you know, Lord, I know what my flesh wants to do, and I know the desires that I have, that the things I want to do that I know aren't right, we need to set those off to the side and say, I'm going to defer to your will. Yes, the flesh wants to do that. Yes, my desires are to do that. And sometimes it might not even be bad things, but things that maybe God, you know, aren't God's plan for us. And I'm going to defer to your will, what God wants. How do we know what God wants? Well, it's very simple. It's found in his word. You see, as, as we follow God in his word each and every day, he brings us upon a path and he'll get us to where he wants us to be. And God does have very specific places for us, but we don't find those places unless we're following his word. And as we follow his word, we get to that place. So where is the, one of the greatest battles in our life? It's, between, it's really between what I want and what God wants. That's why... Satan told Eve, hey, listen, if you eat that fruit, you'll be your own God in your life and you'll make your own decisions. That's what he told her. It wasn't the fruit. It was you are now stepping out and you're going against God, so now you are your own God. You do what you want. That's, by the way, that is Satanism. You know that. Satanism isn't sacrificing kittens and pentagrams and all that nonsense. That's actually bad advertisement for Satan. Satanism at its core is you're the deciding factor in your life. You decide what you want. No one tells you what to do. God doesn't tell you what to do. So you're going to have to fight this in your life. 
And, you know, we lose it. It's funny. Sometimes we start losing it, not necessarily the sin, big, big, big sinful things, but in the small things, right? We know we're supposed to be at church, but we prefer to sit on the couch, okay? We know that uh, we're supposed to read his word, but we get busy and we fill that time with something else. For those that have been around, we know we should be out sharing the gospel with others, but instead we, we don't want to stand out. We don't want people to know we're Christians, you know, we know God wants us to give, but we want to keep. We know God wants us to follow him, but we want to lead. All these little small areas are just areas where we're saying, God, I know what you want, but this is what I want, and this is the path I'm following. We need to be committed to his will. Fifth, we're going to have to be armed and ready by looking at the past. Look at verse 3. For the, past, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. The will of Gentiles was basically a living a life that was against the will of God. When we walked in lasciviousness, that's horrible living, lust, excess of wine, revelings, that's like uh, parties and things that happened because of it, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. He said, you know, in the past of our lives, lives this is what we did and this is what we struggled with. And by the way, if you didn't grow up in church, you probably had some of those struggles, right? I, I didn't grow up in church. I had these struggles. I had these things. And as I come into my Christianity and I start living for God, I can look at my past from two different ways. I can look at my past and have it drag me back down and discourage me, or I can ignore my past, thank God that he saved me from my past, and move forward in his will. Satan tries to use your past against you. And I know in a room this size and many people we have in here, there's some things that probably happened in your past, maybe not even your fault, and, 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 and it can cause bitterness and it can cause a mental anguish and things like that. I would admonish you as a, as a pastor and through the word of God to let God help you to get over those things. Don't be attached to the past. Be excited about God's will in your future. Sure. Satan wants you to stay down because of your past. Yeah, he'll throw it in your face. How dare you try to do this? Don't you remember what you were like? That's when you stop and say, yes, that's what I was like, but I'm not like that anymore. That ought to make us be excited about what God is doing in our life, not about what happened in the past. And so let's be very, very careful. If you have that, don't let that, don't let that tear you down, right? By the way, be careful, you know, these people, like, they get on their old, it's like you get on your old social media and you see your old girlfriend or boyfriend from 40 years ago and you have this, you know, California dreaming. It's a nightmare. You know, oh, I should have married her. Okay. Her four other husbands would disagree with you. But you're trying to live in the past, right? Quit living in the past. Let's live in the future. Let's live for the Lord. Next, our influences. Our influences. Look at verse 4. And by the way, this is, when you knew, this is when you know you're doing it right. Are you ready? Wherefore, they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Strange means surprised and astonished by something that's new. You see, here's what happens. If you got saved later and you start living for God, your old friend, And then they'll start throwing, oh, what do you think, you're better than us? 
you know. I told you one time, I, was, when I, I just quit hanging out with my friends. We used to party and all the things, and, uh, and they came by my house on a Friday night. This is back before cell phones. They're like, man, where you been? And I'm thinking in my mind, not around you, because I can't do that anymore. And they're like, oh, you know, I've just been, you know. They're like, what were you doing? Now, this sounds spiritual, but I didn't do this all the time. Just so happens that night, I was reading my Bible and studying something. Didn't do that all the time, but I'm like, I'm like, well, you really want to know what I was doing? They're like, yeah. Like, I was, um, I was in the back reading my Bible and looking at something. I've been going to church. They left super quick. Like, hey, you know, we, we got to be somewhere. They thought I was weird. And, and by the way, it's okay. I, I brought some of them to church, and I tried to reach out to some of them, and a couple of them got saved and that type of thing. But, but they think you're weird. Because, and by the way, don't be some pharisaical hypocrite. Hey, bro, I can't hang out with you because you're a flaming pagan. Okay? By the way, you know, stay away from the stove because hell's hot. You know, you're just being a freak. Don't do that nonsense. But I will say this, they will notice if your life is different. And by the way, if they're critical of you or this, don't take it personally. They, they just don't know how to react. Man, I remember uh, when I was, well, Pastor Esposito got saved before me. We grew up together. We were best friends. And he was living for God and I wasn't. I'm like, that's just a little bit out there for me. Okay? But I'm glad he didn't give up on me. So, so you, you'll understand that, that you're, there's going to be influence out there. And you have to choose who's going to influence you. Don't let your old, don't be mean-spirited, don't mean that, but, but you don't have to hang out and do the things you were doing before. Don't let your old influences drag you down. And here's the last thing we need to remember, we're done. There's a judgment. Look at verse 5. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Do you understand that one day, by the way, we will never stand, before, if you're saved, this is a good thing, your sins are forgiven. You'll never stand before God for your sins. I'm, how many would be glad about that? It's like, okay, let's throw the mic, let's throw the, let's throw the, you know, projector out and show your life, Steve. Man, I don't want to see that movie. Okay, I've seen the, I've, I've seen the, uh, the preview, and I don't want to see the whole thing. Okay, I know where this is heading. I don't want to see that. But you know, we do stand before God for what we've done with our salvation, how we've served Him. And if we've tried to be sincere, and I will give account because I am a steward to God. And I want to be able to give a good account. Lord, I wasn't perfect, I wasn't this, and you know all that, but I did try to serve you to the best of my ability. That's all God wants, sincerity and to do our best. But you will stand for him. Judgment is coming. Those that don't want that someday will, count, will answer for that. I think of the story of Ahab and Jezebel. They, they stole Naboth's vineyard. They had him killed. Uh, Jezebel kind of drove the bus. Ahab let it happen. And so Ahab, after having this man unjustly killed so he could steal his vineyard, Ahab's standing in the vineyard, like taking possession, like, this is all mine now. And here comes a prophet. Like, what'd you just do? And he tells him that judgment's coming. They're going to die the dogs are going to lick their blood. The dogs are going to eat them when they die. I mean, it was super scary stuff. Ahab repented a little bit. Can you imagine? I could just imagine when Jezebel, every time she heard a dog or Ahab heard a dog, like, 
Because when they died, that's exactly what happened. They were judged. They could have changed the narrative, but they didn't. We can't. One day we will stand before God. Did we live for him? Did we try to do the best with what he gave us? Here's the point. We have a battle to fight. And God wants us to be spiritual people. But it doesn't happen on accident. And let me say this, although it's wonderful, it's the greatest thing you can ever do. I don't regret a minute of it. When I turned my life over to Christ, that was the greatest thing that ever happened. And I can look back at my life, every bit of it, how I've lived, what I've done, my wife, my children, my family, and I'm like, man, things are a lot better than I deserve. And, and, and I could not, if I tried to write a script for what I wanted for my life, and I wrote it, it'd be what I have. You saw you're just saying that. I mean it with all my heart. But there's battles, though. There's things that come where you can deviate from that. There's decisions you need to make to get to that point. Are you armed and ready for this battle? Are you, having, do you, are you steady in your mind? Are you fighting your flesh and the lust? Are you committed to God's will? Are you watching your influences? And do you understand you're going to stand before God someday? I encourage you, serve him. He's given you everything you need in the word of God. If we can bow our heads and close our eyes just for a minute. Thank you for listening. Tried not to go long. I want us to think about this for a minute. Bow our head and close our eyes. <clears throat> Here's what God wants for you. Are you ready? 100% commitment to him. That's it. That's what he wants. <clears throat> You say, that's just crazy. People don't give that in this day. Isn't that what a marriage is? By the way, our marriages would be a lot better if we gave 100% commitment, but that's a message for another day. <clears throat> that's what he wants. He doesn't want people that are half in and half out because when you're half in and you're half out, here's what happens. The first time there's a struggle, the first time there's a problem, you quit. And you lose the blessing. And you lose the joy of serving Jesus Christ. You lose everything he wants to do in your life and in your family. Are you ready for this battle? <clears throat> now let me say this before we have our invitation. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not even in the battle yet, you've not joined the army. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. Here's the question. Now contemplate this, please. Are you 100% for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, or do you have any doubt? If you have one ounce of doubt, you can get that settled this morning. If you're here this morning, nobody looking around, please, and you would say, Pastor Myers, I am not 100% for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven, but I would like to know for sure. Pastor Myers, would you pray for me? If you just raise your hand up and then put it down real quick, I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? That's the decision. That's the decision. Let's stand together. The piano's playing. Maybe if God spoke to you and you say, yeah, I need, to, I need to shore up my life. By the way, all of us do, right? Maybe I need, there's some areas I'm struggling a little bit and I want to make sure I'm fully committed to God. The, why the panel to place? Why don't you come to this altar and pray to the Lord? Submit whatever God was speaking to you about in your life.